You're listening to Ocean Currents, a podcast brought to you by NOAA's Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary. This radio program was originally broadcast on KWMR in Point Reyes Station, California. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Ocean Currents, October 4th, 2010. Ocean Currents is a monthly program that delves into the blue part of our planet and focuses on ocean science, issues, conservation, expeditions, and ways for us land-based folks to get involved. My name is Jennifer Stock. I bring this show to you the first Monday of every month from the Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary here locally in Point Reyes. And this show is part of the West Marin Matters series. Every Monday at 1, you can tune in to hear a program that delves into our local environment and or economy. <clears throat> so I've got a very full show for you today. We've got three guests coming in, and we're going to be mixing it up on the half hour. And then later on this afternoon, we'll hear a little bit more of some things that are happening, some activities, some ways to get involved and learn a little bit more. But we're going to focus a bit on our local ocean conditions uh, this summer on the first half hour. I've been out of town the last two months. I traveled to the South Pacific and I visited American Samoa and independent Samoa Islands as well, which was all very exciting and quite a contrast from the California current ecosystem. And while I was gone, I heard about incredible, great reports of abundant whales and krill and seabirds. And when I got back, I heard even more. So I'm so thrilled to welcome Dr. Jaime Yonke from PRBO Conservation Science today to talk about what the ocean was like in this Central Bay Area region. So here in the studio, I have Dr. Jaime Yonke. He is the Director of Marine Ecology at the PRBO Conservation Science um, Area Center, which is in, in Petaluma. They do work all over the world. And he has been studying the physical processes and how they influence biological activity in this region for many years. And a couple years ago, the PRBO Conservation Science Group and Cordell Bank and Gulf of the Farallons National Marine Sanctuary formed an alliance called ACCESS. And, of course, we always have to define these acronyms. But ACCESS stands for the Applied California Current Ecosystems Studies. And the sanctuaries work with PRBO to apply these productive waters throughout the year to get a better understanding of the year-to-year dynamics and to ultimately best conserve the valuable ocean ecosystem that we have here. So welcome back to the studio. Jaime. Hello, Jenny. Thank you for the invitation. I'm glad to be here. So you've been, uh, welcome back to land, I should say, because you've been out on the ocean a lot this spring and summer. And we'll get to talking about that a little bit. But how, where do the access cruises attempt to cover? What is your full study area um, revolving around Point Reyes area? Axis focuses mostly on the ocean of um, from Fort uh, Ross to the north down to the San Mateo coast. So we study the ocean of the Sonoma Marine, San Francisco County, and San Mateo coast. And so you do some of your cruises out of Bodega Bay, some of them out of San Francisco, some out of Half Moon Bay area? Yes, that's correct. So that covers um, pretty much the Cordell Bank, Gulf of the Farallons, and a little bit of Monterey Bay sanctuary, yes. right? Yes. Very exciting. So these guys are out there quite a bit getting to know our waters by doing these studies. So why don't you tell us what are the main goals for this project? How long has it been going on, and what are you hoping to get out of this collaboration? 
Uh, the main goal for us is to support marine wildlife conservation <coughs> and to be able to use uh, our research to inform resource managers, policymakers, and research partners in this region. Uh, we do this by uh, conducting the research, but then we try to do a good job in communicating our findings to the public and the managers and to use um, our knowledge to um, um, convey messages to teachers and with, so they can bring that uh, our, our information and our experiences to their classroom as well. That's great. What are some of the conservation issues that you think that the data that you're collecting can help inform? Um, we focus on five different aspects. We um, focus on the wildlife. We try to improve the conservation of uh, seabirds, marine mammals, and their food webs in the region. We want to use our data to improve ocean zoning in this area, and that means to uh, guide human uses of the environment in this, uh, in this region. Uh, we want to also help document the effects of environmental change on the ecosystem. And we perceive that information we collect can help us do a better job as we move from single species management towards a more ecosystem-based management of the resources that we, that we have here. So a nice, a wide array yes. of things. That's great. How long have you been working on this project? It has a new name now, but you've been doing some of this research for a, a couple of years now. Yes, so officially Access started this year, and officially we started working on it since 2005. Um, seriously, since 2009, we have now about 27, 28 cruises completed, and we have a pretty nice data set that is being used by PRBO, Death Sanctuaries, and our partners at uh, the universities. So... Um a couple of cruises went out this year, and you used the research vessel Fulmar. That's the NOAA National Marine Sanctuary boat here on the West Coast. And what is a typical day like going out on one of these cruises? I know there's lots going on and many different roles for biologists to play. Um, we start the day probably about 5.30, 6 a.m. Everybody gets ready. We touch base on what the plan for the day is going to be. Uh, we leave the dock pretty early in the morning. We cruise out to where our operation will start. Sometimes we start operation within 30 minutes from the dock. Sometimes we have to transit about two hours from the dock to whatever our lines will start. And then we conduct operations on the back deck, which are mostly oceanography and net operations to sample um, zooplankton, the wildlife and then we have a group of observers that uh, work from the flying bridge that is the, uh, on top of the bridge. Uh -huh. And we, we do um, continuous observations from there, record the number uh, and species of uh, birds and mammals that we see. Um, and we're, we're a team. Like we have at least six to seven people on board. Um, we work very closely with... Um, uh, staff from the National Marine Sanctuaries, and we can have sometimes one or two guests with us who help also doing the science. Yeah, and this year you had a special uh, teacher at sea with you, right? Where was she from? Uh, we had Deb Moraga. She came from Ohio, and she was probably the most enthusiastic <laughs> teacher at sea we have had so far. <clears throat> um, I'll just comment on this. We recruited Deb together, since I'm a, I'm kind of a silent collaborator in this, a little bit behind the scenes, but um, 
the NOAA Teacher at Sea program places teachers around the United States to get on vessels to work with scientists and learn firsthand. And so Deb, she was this bustling amount of energy that uh, wanted to come out, and I'm glad she had a great experience. And we've been in touch, and she is having a blast communicating all of this with her students in Ohio. So it's going far. It's pretty exciting. Um, <clears throat> so you got this big team of folks. You're doing some studies in the water, looking at the zooplankton, which is one of the main food sources for the whales and seabirds and fishes in this region, and tied with the other data on top. What did this year look like? I heard so many reports of, like, thousands of whales at a time, and it just seemed almost over the top, very anecdotally overexcited. But what were your um, perceptions of the year, starting with the spring till now? Um, this was a very special year. There has been a lot of um, things going on out there. We started from, uh, we were coming out from an El Nino during the winter, and we expected that there was going to be a delay in the timing of the breeding of the birds and, and of the activity. Uh, in the wildlife here, but that didn't happen. Birds started breeding pretty early, and we they were pretty successful. We saw large flocks of birds, auklets, murres, murkwood chicks uh, in large numbers. That didn't happen last year, for example. Uh, we saw large flocks of shearwaters. They were not really around last year, and the numbers of whale was pretty fantastic. It's like in every cruise, we have probably had um, 200 plus humpback whales, uh, 20 plus blue whales. It was pretty fantastic. So um, the El, we had an El Nino last year, so the warmer sea surface conditions, we had less krill, so the birds didn't do so great last year. So the birds you're talking about are birds that breed locally on the Farallon Islands and the coastal headlands here in Point Reyes? Exactly. So when um, we, PRBO Conservation Science, has been working on the Farallon Islands in partnership with um, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service for 40 years now. And we have we monitor activity on the island like 24/7 uh, year round, and this year um, common murs, for example, did uh, pretty well compared to last year where they have almost no no success. Uh, Casting chocolates, which are are, are a small uh, krill eating seabird. Uh, did fantastic this year. They are, they're actually on their second brood this That's year. That's amazing. Seventy percent of the birds have had a second brood this year, and that didn't happen um, last year. So they start a little early, so they could fit in a second brood of of eggs. They usually do one egg or a couple eggs. Each uh, they usually they lay only one egg, oh. and uh, they usually uh, typically uh, seven out of ten birds are able to raise a chick. This year, so far. Um, um, nine out of the of ten birds were successful on their first broods, and we're waiting to see what is happening with the second broods. That's fantastic. It's so exciting to hear positive news about uh, reproduction this year, because last year, I remember, was a disaster. Now, cormorants, I heard, not so great. Or d am I hearing that wrong? Uh, no, you're correct there. Um, for example, we only have about... In 2007, we had about 20,000 brass cormorants breeding on the island. This year, we had less than... Uh, 5,000 birds, mm -hmm. and they are having really a, a hard time. They start to breathe in pretty late, and only about um, one in every 10 birds have been able to raise chick. And their diet must be different than krill, so they don't eat krill. Yes, brown cormorants feed mostly on uh, fish, and over the last few years, they were feeding mostly on anchovy, and the anchovy has been missing from this area for now, for now uh, three years in a row. Mm, that's interesting. So the krill rebounded, but sardines haven't come back yet, or anchovy. 
Yes, that's correct. So krill has been very abundant over the last couple of years, um, but uh, fish, mostly the small uh, pelagic excluding fish, is pre- is basically absent. Wow. Uh, although MERS did well because they do not, they were not relying on the anchovies and the sardines, and they were relying mostly on the juvenile rockfish, which are doing much better this year. Wonderful. For those just tuning in, my name is Jennifer Stock. You're listening to Ocean Currents. And I have Jaime Yonke from PRBO Conservation Science with us talking about the summer ocean conditions that we experienced here um, in the Central Bay Area off the coast of Point Reyes all the way down south to Half Moon Bay. And we've been talking about the access cruises. So um, it seems like, well, I have to say, I follow a lot of the day-to-day operations on your Facebook page because Access has its own Facebook page that anybody can join in on when they're out at sea, and you get some great photos and near real live time reports of what's going on. And I was so excited one day. I tuned in on Facebook, and there was a leatherback turtle sighting. So when was that, and about where was that? Um, that, uh, that happened during our first day of um, surveys during the this last cruise in September. We were going along uh, one of our near shore lines just off Point Reyes. We were on an area where um, where there were lots of uh, moon jellies in the water, and suddenly I see this big uh, dark shape. Uh, come to the surface, I see the head come up, it breathed, and then it dove right back. Wow. Yeah. The second time uh, since we started this cruise that, we, that I have been able to see one. That's exciting. Did you see a lot of jellies this year? Uh, or was, And is that more seasonal when the jellies become to be more abundant? I believe the jellies become more abundant towards the end of the year when the water is warmer and more stratified, mm-hmm. uh, when the boiling stops. Um, but I'm not 100% yeah. knowledgeable about jellies yet. Were there a lot of jellies around with the leather background? Yes, a lot of moon jellies. Oh, exciting. I saw a video. Um, I saw Scott Benson do a talk, Scott from NOAA Fisheries, about leatherbacks. And Scott's been a guest on this program before. And they did um, I put a camera. Have you seen this? A, a camera on the back of a leatherback. Leatherback cam. Oh, critter cam. Critter cam to see what types of jellies they eat. And it was so cool because you see this undulating head and all of a sudden it grabs a jelly. And usually it's the those uh, orange chrysora lion's mane jellies. But it was just so cool. You could almost put music with it and uh, to identify the certain types of jellies that they like. I wish they'd put that online because I only got to see it on that talk. It was really, really cool. So we got a leatherback turtle, which is always a good sign. And I know that... Um, I just got an announcement from the Sea Turtle Restoration Network. They're really putting an alert out to boaters to watch out for these turtles because they're slow moving and they're very vulnerable to um, ship traffic. What are some other memorable encounters that you had this year? The, the other most memorable encounter, I believe, was uh, Lace and Albatross, also towards the end of the year. Um, Usually here we see we can see up to three species of um, albatross, the blackfoot, which are fairly common, um, short tails, which are pretty rare, and then laysons. And laysons usually uh, forage around uh, the Aleutian Islands, and this time we were able to see one of them. It was pretty cool. That's neat. They usually go up north for the summer. Yes, towards the Aleutians. That's cool. Now, I remember also there was a sighting of uh, a whale that had been 
was floating. It was a carcass. Did that ever get resolved? Was that a ship strike, or do we know? We don't really know. I believe this happened towards the end of our uh, cruise in July, where uh, biologists from the Farallon Islands were able to uh, observe a floating dead whale north of the island. So they took some pictures. Uh, the whale did show some lacerations probably from a propeller. Uh, whether that was a cause of death, we don't really know. Um, and I, I'm not sure whether there was a necropsy done on this animal. Um, we don't know whether it was dead before or after the strike. Right, because if there's a whale floating, it could easily be hit as well. I know mm -hmm. there was another whale, too, that showed up in San Francisco on the bow of a ship. It was a fin whale. It seems to be becoming more of an encounter or more of an issue than has been reported in the past. And it should be interesting. I know the Coast Guard this year is starting, or they've been working on a port access study with uh, studying the lanes of approach into San Francisco Bay as well as leaving San Francisco Bay. And I'm wondering if these reports will come into this process in terms of whales and shipping traffic. Do you know much about that? And um, I hope they use the information we collect towards, uh, to inform the process. Um, I believe that... Um, we have three shipping lanes that come into San Francisco, one from the north, one from the south, and one from the west. Um, this year, because of other reasons which relate to, uh, relate to the ships, need to change from a more polluting fuel to a less pollute polluting fuel right. when they are about 20 miles from shore. So that is forcing most of the traffic to come uh, from the west right now. Um, it would be great for us if it would be great um, to have more information about how that has changed the patterns of uh, traffic in this area and whether that will have a more or less impact on the wildlife in the region. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll have to keep posted on that. That's something maybe we can bring back next year when I come back with uh, more shows in the new year. So, in terms of when you're done with your field work for the summer, it's pretty intensive. There's a lot of planning to get on the ship. You've got a week coordinating all these people, and then you hope for good weather. And you got a lot of ship time this year, which is great. Only a little bit of weathered out, probably at the beginning. But what does the rest of the year look like now for you and the team in terms of processing the data? What do they What do they do to process the data, and how do we get a summary of what was the year like? Um, so this year we were. As you said, pretty lucky. Uh, May and June, we had very challenging challenging weather, but we were able to complete the cruises successfully. In July and September, we had the most beautiful weather and with even uh, glassy seas, and that doesn't happen very often. Uh, now we have all the data, and we're in the process of cleaning it up, cleaning it up uh, so we can make uh, use of it. Most of the oceanography data is already ready and processed. Uh, we are right now cleaning and processing all the bird mammal data. And uh, we are actually uh, looking at some of our zooplankton samples in the lab to know what type of critters we caught in the net. Once everything is uh, clean and ready, we try to um, bring it all together within a GIS tab platform, for example, so we can understand uh, how, where how the ocean drives, where we see the aggregations of food, for the whales and the birds and where, in which places the birds and the whales are actually um, using them. And then we can overlay that with the human aspects of all this. All. Do you see that change year to year in terms of where those hot spots are? Or do they seem, or do they seem to be some regular areas that you know this could be a really good spot for 
a lot of productivity. Um, there are areas which, in general, are hot most of the time. Let's say Cordell Bank, around the Faroe Islands, some of the banks that are in between, like Fanny Shoals, uh, for example. Um, but then there are other areas that um, that are not always there. For example, uh, in 2006 and seven, we used to um, there was an there was an area right off the Golden Gate with abundant patches uh, of uh, of fish, and we haven't seen those last year and this year. Mm-hmm. Those patches were used by uh, humber whales in those years I mentioned, but the whales were not there this year. That's so interesting. Yeah, so cr- both humpbacks and blues will feed on krill, but humpbacks can also feed on uh, baitfish as yes, well. Exactly. So they're going to be in different spots this year because they're going to be following the food, basically. Yeah. So most uh, humpbacks were kind of absent from the inshore um, shelf waters of the of the of the Gulf of Farlands. And they were mostly foraging, uh, feeding on krill towards the edge of the shelf where the, where, where, where the bottom of the ocean suddenly becomes very deep, deep. as you head off the, um, of the island. Is that that north? Was, that north? was it the north of Cordell Bank? There's like this deep spot there. Is that or northwest maybe? There's a, there's a couple of very good spots around Cordell Bank. One towards the east of the bank where you have like a... Um, some people call it Dale's Ditch. Yeah. Um, That's Dale Roberts, a biologist yes. in our office. It's like a <laughs> canyon there where uh, krill tends to aggregate. And then there's another uh, area towards the south of the bank, which is generally has a lot of krill and is truly used by the whales. So let's talk a little bit about krill because they have a fascinating life cycle. They... And also daily cycle. So during the day, they are up at the, up down below, right, at depth, and then they come up at night? Uh, yes. So um, krill tends to come to the surface at nighttime to feed on the phytoplankton. Mm-hmm. Those will be like very small plant forms that live uh, near the surface. And as, the, as, as you come towards the... As you come towards the daytime, those patches of krill will go down as deep as they can, 200 meters, 800 meters deep if they can. Um, um, however, this year, for the first time, I was able to see sur- surface patches of krill during the daytime. And those are supposed to be mating swarms of krill. Um, we were lucky enough to be able to um, tow a net through one of them around um, just offshore from Hatman Bay. And it was pretty interesting. They were mostly adult-sized um, animals, and um, they were uh, from one of the species, the species that we see uh, in this area later in the summer, which is Tysonosis spinifera. And um, th- it was... In July, most of the krill that we found was pretty large individuals, and they were everywhere. Now, in September, uh, most of our toes were um, um, co- contain smaller-sized krill, so we were thinking that most of the adults were probably already consumed by the large numbers of whales that we have in the area. Um, and the only few individuals that we saw of large sizes were as- associated with these reproductive groups at the surface. Interesting. So they re- they'll reproduce at the surface. How quickly does it take them to hatch those eggs. Um, Do we know that? I'm not sure about <laughs> that. I believe that they, they form the mating swarms, they lay the eggs, the eggs kind of sink towards the bottom. How long does it take for those eggs to develop into the nuplee, the first stages? I don't really oh, know. See, that's a whole phase I really know nothing about. But I think what's amazing is that these animals are only a couple centimeters long and they migrate down 200 meters for their body size. That's a lot of work. 
That is, that's <laughs> correct. Unbelievable. I think I heard that was one of the largest uh, daily migrations for an animal of that body size um, to be going that far down and up to the surface. Krill are pretty amazing. That's awesome. And neat that you got to see the surface swarms, too. So um, what else would you like to share about access and where are we going with uh, Are we going to try to keep monitoring year to year so we can compare and have some baseline? I know there's a lot of concern of climate change, and this is such important data for scientists. So, I believe the plan is to continue with these cruises for as long as we can. Uh, as you know, funding is always an issue, so we're all working hard towards making this uh, happen again. Um, and this is a partnership between PRBO and the two centuries, Cordell Bank and Gulf of Ireland, and everyone is very invested in this project. Um, to to um, any of the folks out there interested in learning more about this, uh, you can visit www.accessoceans.org and you will find uh, detailed information about the project. Or you can uh, become a fan of the project by visiting uh, us on Facebook at Access Partnership. Then I got to give a shout out for that website because it has some beautiful photos. One of the things that's really neat about the team of biologists that go on these cruises is they usually have great cameras. And wow, you have some amazing photographers that are sharing their photos with this project. And you get to see them on this website. So I highly recommend going to check out accessoceans.org because the birds alone, you just see so much beauty when you really get a macro shot. We're lucky to have, um, well, some of our observers are probably the best observers in this area. We have Carol Kuiper, which is our uh, marine mammal observer. She has been working in this area for like 25 years. One of our seabird observers is um, Sophie Webb. Uh, she has uh, illustrated several seabird uh, guides and bird guides for this area. She just completed writing a marine mammal guide for the North Pacific um, so they, 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 are, they are great naturalists, they're great scientists, great observers, and fun to be with on a boat. That's, um, That's important. <laughs> well, we, are, we should wrap it up here because I've got someone else coming on in a few minutes. But, Jaime, I just want to say thanks so much for continuing to work with the sanctuaries and sharing all this information. It's so vital for scientists to share what's going on, you know, the Facebook thing, getting the teacher out there, encouraging the media to let people know. It's really a wonderful thing. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's really fun working with you guys. Excellent. Thanks for tuning in. For those of you that just tuned in, we've been talking with Jaime Yanke from PRBO Conservation Science, and we've been talking about a study that is shared between the sanctuaries here and PRBO Conservation Science, looking at the ocean conditions off the coast here. And we heard a little bit about the krill. It was a fabulous year for whales and seabirds. And I like to hang the hat of hope on that when you have a really good year like that, very good for wildlife. And hopefully we'll be able to observe continued uh, productivity throughout the ocean here. We're going to take a short break and come back in a little bit. I have Dave McGuire from Sea Stewards that will be joining us in just a little bit to talk a little bit about Sharktoberfest. And uh, I understand there's also a cruise going out to Cordell Bank this this week, and Dave will be a part of that too, so we'll hear a little bit about that. But thanks for tuning in. You're listening to KWMR. Please stay with us.
I think we have Dave with us now. Dave, you are live on the air. You're with us. Hi, Jenny. Yes. Yay. All right. Glad you made the connection. So Dave McGuire is with Sea Stewards. He's a busy guy this week. He's promoting both his shark conservation outreach activities and getting ready for a research cruise. But let's start first with Sharktoberfest. What's happening? Well, we've got a celebration of the shark all month long. Uh, It's to celebrate all sharks in the world, but specifically sharks at the uh, that are arriving at the Farallon. So the surfer, local surfers, call it Sharktober. It's when our white sharks are returning after several thousand miles of migration out near Hawaii to the islands to come and feed and breed. So tell me a little bit about some of the events that you're putting together to help promote more education about sharks, both white sharks and local coastal sharks, all the sharks? Well, we've got a, a pretty exciting lineup, Jenny. Uh, we've got that we're going to do a, a shark life at the California Academy of Sciences on the 14th. That's one of their Thursday nightlife events for 21 and over, where we're going to have a lot of special events. We'll have uh, a shark exhibit, a special shark longlining exhibit. We're going to have a short film that I'm doing with Dr. John McCosker, who is a, a colleague and a, a, a co-researcher uh, on our seven gill and leopard shark and soup fin shark study here in San Francisco Bay. We're going to have some short talks. We're going to have uh, Jonathan Catherine, who's a shark survivor from Stinson Beach uh, and, and advocate for sharks now. Um, we've got a lot of great stuff going on at the California Academy of Sciences on the 14th. Later on the, the 23rd, we're doing a Sharktober Kids Fest with Jim Toomey, Sherman Lagoon, Jim Toomey, a uh, cartoonist and shark advocate. Uh, we're going to be drawing a big canvas on sharks and shark ecosystems. It's an interactive activity for youth with the, at the Gulf of the Farallons National Marine Sanctuary Education Center at Christie Field. That goes from 10 to 3. All kinds of stuff. We're going to have shark sandcastle, shark face painting, and shark education um, uh, with the sanctuary. And that evening, we're going to have a shark cruise and shark awards party and benefit for shark champions with live music and uh, sustainable seafood from fish and great wine and great beer. And we're going to party with the sharks out on the Angel Island Ferry um, all night from 6 to 10. Um, so that's kind of our benefit to try to raise some awareness and raise some funds for our research program and our conservation program. And then uh, we've got Farallon's Island Cruises that I'm leading as naturalists and with other special naturalists, including uh, Dr. Chris Pinsatek of uh, the Turtle Island Restoration Network. With John Catherine was on board last week. Um, we saw 20 whales yesterday. We didn't see any sharks. We saw all kinds wow. of animals, uh, wonderful sea animals out in the sanctuary. So we've got a few of those going on um, all month long on Saturdays as well. So it's really a celebration of shark, and we're going to culminate it in a Halloween party. Ooh, that's great. Where's the Halloween party? The Halloween party is <laughs> going to be on the Outer Limits. That's the vessel that we uh, book our tours through out to the Farallons. So we're going to go out to the Farallons on, uh, on the 31st, or if it's too rough, we're just going to stay on the bay and talk about natural history and sharks of the bay. We'll have some videos. We'll have some activities and We're just going to learn more about sharks and try to raise awareness and have fun doing it. That's cool. So is there a costume contest for the best shark costume? There is going to be a contest. Oh, that's great. I bet you could be a great shark. (laughs) Well, 
I guess it could be a whale shark now with this big belly. <laughs> <laughs> well, by then you might have a little minnow, right? Well, no, that's Thanksgiving. A little early, okay. <laughs> that's exciting. So it, the kids' stuff sounds great. That's down at Gulf of the Farallons on October 3rd. 23rd. No, 23rd. Lots of kids' activities from 10 to 3 p.m. down at Chrissy Field. It's really nice going down there on the weekends. And um, there'll be sandcastles, art stuff, hands-on stuff, and then the PM, more of an adult event, 6 to 10, a cruise on the bay. And how can people get more of these details? Because we're going over them a little fast. What's the best way to learn more about each of these events? Right. Well, the the best way is to go to seastewards.org. There is an events page, and there's also a lot of information about our shark conservation programs, the tagging efforts that we're uh, undergoing on the bay with our partners, um, and, and a lot of information about shark conservation, including some of the legislation that we're proposing for shark conservation. Wonderful. That's great, David. Well, we're going to wrap it up because we've got uh, Scott Ty here waiting in the studio as well. But thank you so much for giving us a quick preview. Actually, I have one more question I want to ask you. What's happening this week? You're getting ready to get out to Cordell Bank this week. Can you give us a quick preview? Yeah, this week I'm really excited. I'll be um, attending or I'll be going on board the, the FOMAR with the NOAA crew um, and the sanctuary uh, biologists. We're going to be doing a survey of the Cordell Bank going down diving, doing transects, looking at uh, the health and the biota of the system itself. I'll be going as a diver, and I'm a documentary filmmaker, so I'll be able to document this both on board and underwater. So it's going to be a great opportunity to get out there and actually experience the sanctuary and try to to understand and, 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 and explore and, and communicate this wonderful sanctuary that's just off our shore here. Yeah, well, the weather is looking better for later in the week, so we'll be thinking about you. Great. And I'll let everybody know they can follow along with that expedition right online at cordellbank.noaa.gov. Uh, we'll have a link to a live expedition page where there's some information about that. But, Dave, I'm so jealous you get to go. I hope you have a great trip. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Great All right. Show. Take care. Bye. That was Dave McGuire from Sea Stewards talking about some exciting events happening this month for Sharktober Fest. The sharks are back, and we need those sharks. They're part of our ecosystem, and we also want people to become more aware about them. So hopefully you can tune in on seastewards.org. That's with an S, seastewards.org. Find out about some of those events. The Halloween party sounds exciting, and uh, kids' events, evening events, Cal Academy, all sorts of great stuff going on. We will be back in just another minute or two with another local, Scott Ty from Stinson Beach. He's going to talk a little bit about some stuff Surfrider Foundation is up to. Hi, is with the Marin chapter of the Surfrider Foundation, and he has joined us in KWMR studio for an update on some things that are going on. So tell us a little bit, Scott, what's happening with the Marin chapter of the Surfrider Foundation? Well, your last two guests, I think, have sort of punctuated what sort of the stewardship of the seas and, and the habitat's all about. Surfrider is currently involved in and has been involved since the beginning in a series of beach water quality testing, a series of beach cleanups, and we just helped out in the last California Coastal Cleanup, which was on September 25th. And we are involved in the 101010 project coming up as part of a 
nationwide, worldwide, but specifically West Marin action. And we'll be doing a beach cleanup at 11 o'clock on October 10th down at Stinson Beach. Hopefully also providing a, a forum for plastics and the whole role of plastics in our environment. And uh, uh, hopefully some ukulele and a little barbecue. Ooh, who's going to be playing ukulele? Just volunteers coming to play their ukes. Oh, that's great. Impromptu. Fun. And to get back to sort of one of our primary goals, you know, we've been involved with conservation Activision education with Surfriders since it started over 25 years ago. And one of the primary goals was to find why people were getting sick at the coast. And because Surfrider took a proactive role in that, we were able to prove that coastal environments were being impacted by human activity, waste discharge, sewage discharge. And as a result, we're able to um, implement legislation first in California and then nationally to control and to monitor that. So that's one of our primary missions and goals. As a result of that, we work with the different high schools in Marin County. We establish a water testing lab. Right now it's at Branson High School. Looks like we'll also be putting some in at either Drake or Marin Catholic in the next year. And we allow the students to practice and integrate their their learning of how that comes about, how we bring in those samples. They culture them, they read the results, and then they post them on the website. So one of the things we, we do with that educational forum is to give the next generation an opportunity to see how the process works. That's great. I actually didn't know that students were involved with that. I want to learn more about that program. That might be a nice collaboration with the sanctuaries, too to do student monitoring, student water quality monitoring. I know that uh, Tomales Bay, um, the Watershed Council has been working on that too, getting students involved. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the other things coming up in October is we're putting on sort of a celebration end of summer um, film show at the Lark Theater on the 23rd, same day that David has oh, competition. His, his activities <laughs> and also uh, some live music. And the goal behind that is just kind of pull the Marin County surfing community together. It's a uh, it's a award winning film about Irish surfing produced oh, cool. by Irish surfers, and um, how their roots go back and kind of what they're doing now and how they're sort of breaking new ground in large wave surfing. So that's going to be at the Lark Theater on the twenty third. What time is that at? Um, I believe the show is at. Eight o'clock. Oh, okay. So you can make eight, the eight thirty, and the and the music starts around five thirty six. So. Oh, cool! So people could go down to Gulf of the Frowns during the day, exactly. come back up for the film. That sounds really fun. An, a movie about Irish surfing on October twenty third. Right. Very cool. I, that would be fascinating. I love learning about the different um, how different cultures use the ocean and how they view surfing or anything. It should be a really neat film to see. Well, what are some other things going on? The, I forgot to ask, what time is the cleanup start on the 10th? The cleanup starts at 11 o'clock, and we'll probably go for a couple hours and then um, come back together and see what people we have there to do any kind of a social event. We'll definitely do an educational about the plastics and the role of plastics in our oceans and then wrap that up around 2.30 or 3. Cool. 11 to 2.30 or 3, hopefully in a beautiful day at Stinson Beach. Exactly. That even if you only pick up a little bit, it's still great to get out to the beach. Do you find that there's more plastic 
coming ashore in the wintertime or the summertime from your experience? Most of the plastic comes in in the winter, the fall and the wintertime. Big waves. Big waves, uh, higher tides in the delta. And one of the things we have to remember is this is really from from the summit of our mountains to our seashore is the watershed. And so we get plastic um, shotgun wads from the delta after hunting season. They skewer the beach. And so we'll see plastic from all over, particularly during the high tides and the high waves. Interesting. You'll, I'm sure you'll still see plenty in the summer, though. We see it in the summer, but, yeah. you know, it's it's more controlled. There's more personnel to clean it up. Yeah. And um, and hopefully less people, you know, discharging it. Oh, that's the, always the hope. I heard this year was one of uh, – it was a banner year for uh, Coastal Cleanup Day. Incredible turnout. So I think it's, it's a, a, a good – Thing and that more people are becoming more aware of this issue and hopefully changing right. their behaviors and encouraging more education about it. So that's cool. Um, one of the other things we do every year is we have a, uh, a paddle race from Bolinas to Stinson. And next year on June 18th, 2011, will be our fourth annual paddle race. And it's, it's basically a fundraiser. It, it uh, develops kind of a camaraderie amongst all the paddling community and the surfing community and the two towns. And um, we generate, you know, anywhere from 40 to 80 participants last year. Hopefully next year we'll have over 100. And the funding then goes to the Junior Lifeguard Program in Stinson and the, and the surf rider water testing. Excellent. Very cool. Can people get involved with the water testing and other um, things that surf riders doing? Is there like a membership? There's a membership thing? to surf rider as a, you're, you become a member of the national organization and you're affiliated with the chapter. So you'd be affiliated with Marin County chapter. And they can go to our website, which is surfrider.org forward slash Marin. And all the information is on that to contact us send us an email, um, call us, and then we'll forward them the membership information. And in terms of getting involved with the water testing, we're always looking for volunteers. So if we have people who are consistently in the water out at the beach and then go over to the east side of Marin, we we can always use those people to make the collection, and then we'll turn those over to the uh, the students for the, the resource data. Is there a time period from when the sample is collected to when? It's about 12 hours. So it's and pretty we have, quick. And we have to maintain it in a cool environment. We can't let it sit in the sunlight. So yeah. we have some parameters, yeah. Interesting. How about this year? Were there um, some closures in terms of water quality at the well, beaches? Well, during the summer months, the County of Marin and the National Parks do the water testing. We were able to push them hard 10 years ago. And so they have been doing the testing from... April 1st to October 1st, or 31st, actually. And then after that, there is no testing officially, but that's when Surfrider jumps in and does the testing. There were some anomalies this year. Um, If you read the press, you know, Save the Bay says we've had some of the cleanest years, but they're also during, they were during the driest summers, Mm. driest winters, and they don't test during the winter months. We found some very high readings during the winter months when there's high runoff. Right. Interesting. Well, fantastic. Water quality and beach cleanups. One last thing is that it it looks like the County of Marin will not have the funding next year for the water testing because of cutbacks due to the budgetary problems. And so we may have to step up and find other sources for that. All right. So that would be very important for people that are somewhat interested to follow up on that for volunteering to keep this water quality monitoring going. 
And I'm, I'm going to follow up with you, too, outside of this, because I know that the Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary has a big water quality monitoring program. And who knows, maybe we can get some volunteer links to go in together. Exactly. That's great. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap it up for today? Well, I just think the, your last two guests and myself, we've given everybody what to do in the fall for the next month and maybe beyond. And it's all volunteer work, so it's all rewarding. And uh, we're all looking forward to having more volunteers come out. So Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. In the studio. So we've just been talking with Scott Ty from Surfrider Marin. Well, that was a really quick show. I had a lot of people come in and out of here. That's more than I typically do, and I'm exhausted. Um, but we've just got a couple minutes left, and there's just a couple things I wanted to let you know about. As Scott mentioned, this is a great time to get involved. There's a lot of opportunities to volunteer with Surf Rider here in Marin, the beach cleanup. It can always clean up wherever you are, uh, coastal, uh, on the shores, on the beaches, on your own street, in the shopping market. We all have that opportunity every day, so get involved. There's that film coming up, up at Gulf of the Farallons on October 9th, 6 to 10. I'm sure you can get on the farallons.noaa.gov website to read more about that. It's a good time to let you know I'm going to be off the air for a couple months. I'm producing my own little marine mammal right now, and we'll be taking some maternity leave coming up in November. So I'm going to be taking a little break from the airwaves here. Um, you will get to hear some old shows. We'll have them plugged into this spot until I can come back. But you can also catch up on past shows for the last five years on our website, cordellbank.noaa.gov. I have all of my Ocean Current radio programs up online there, and you can subscribe to a podcast. So I'm very excited to be able to offer that at least while I'm out of town, or I guess out of the studio, I should say. And uh, wish me luck on that. Um, it's a great time, actually. I'd love to hear from you listeners um, to tell me what you think about the show. Do you like it? Do you want me to stay on the air? Um, what are some things you'd like to hear more about with other guests? Um, I'd love to get hear from you. You can email me at jennifer.stock, S-T-O-C-K, at N-O-A-A dot G-O-V. Get a little feedback so when I come back, we can come back with a vigor um, have a better show. It would be wonderful. I just would like to thank Jaime Yonke from PRBO, Dave McGuire, and Scott Ty, some local ocean advocates and scientists doing great work for sharing their information with us today on Ocean Currents. And I'd like to also, of course, thank you, listener, for your continued support and, of course, our underwriters and all of those that are have pledged during our pledge drive. This is such a great community resource, and it's all because of all of our supporters. So thank you so much for continuing to support KWMR. This is Jennifer Stock, and I'm going to wrap it up here. We had a great year of productivity in the ocean. I hope that you enjoy a little bit of time on the water before we roll into winter. And I will be back sometime next year. Thanks for listening to KWMR. For listening to Ocean Currents. This show is brought to you by NOAA's Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary on West Marin Community Radio, KWMR.
Views expressed by guests on this program may or may not be that of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and are meant to be educational in nature. To learn more about Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary, go to cordellbank.noaa.gov. for helping to protect our ocean.
This is KWMR 90.5 Point Reyes Station and 89.9 Bolinas, community radio for West Marin. We stream live from kwmr.org. Thanks for listening.